From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode number 69. I am back from New York, and today's show is brought to you by Braintree, Casper, and Foot Cardigan. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined, as always, by Mr. Federico Vitici. Hello, Mike. Thank Welcome you, Federico, back. Federico and Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hey, guys. I enjoyed listening to the show last week. Good. Oh yeah, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> sweet. Thank you, Mike. I was uh, America. I was the land. It of was the free. pretty free. I felt free. Yeah, yeah. It yeah? was good. Uh-huh. <laughs> you felt free. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's good to know, Mike. Um, I'm pleased that there wasn't too many references to my death, which is always good. Still a few. Still a few. You gotta assume you have died so many times already. It got pretty, you know tiring after a while if somebody ever wants to plot out the amount of ways that that i met my untimely end when i've been missing from this show i would i would appreciate that at some point just so i can kind of understand isn't there like a like a tv show about this like a thousand ways to die i think it's a youtube thing no it's also on the t- on tv yeah i think in they Italy. like they did with many youtube shows they turned it into a tv show oh okay yeah. Is it like Dumb Ways to Die or something? Dumb, maybe dumb. In Italy, it's called maybe a hundred or maybe a thousand ways to die. I don't know. Right. Anyway, there should be like a, t- a thousand ways Mike dies or that's, something. I mean, that's horrible for me, though. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, in, in, a, in a sort of lighthearted way, you know, like just for fun. Just like in theory, you know. I love you, Mike. I'm just trying to imagine all the possible options. Stephen, can you please start the follow-up? <laughs> I would love to. So the first piece of follow-up is not so much follow-up as it is a continuation of our language discussion. And uh, I'm going to squash all hopes that Federico is going to read something in some foreign tongue. But Derek wrote in uh, and was very confused, Mike, about uh, a word that you use um, while you speak and while you when you write. I've noticed in your writing as well. Would you like to... Uh, Tell us about uh about this this word choice of yours. Whilst, yeah, <laughs> which is well, it's one of those yeah. words that when I when British people say them, they say them in, in in varying ways, and when I say it, it just sounds like a sound that I'm making, which is whilst, <laughs> as opposed to an actual word. It's like the sound you make if someone like comes up behind you and like grabs you, yeah, like it's just sort of like a the, the air coming out of you. <laughs> so I guess maybe I'll try and slow it down. Like some, it's like whilst, which is W H I L S T. Maybe some people say whilst. I don't know, but it's effectively a different way of saying while. And again, I'm doing it again. While, while. How do you say that? The actual way Americans say it. I say while, but I'm from the south, so who knows? This is the worst podcast for any type of pronunciation. Because we're all wrong in our own beautifully distinct ways. Although everything that Federico says wrong is just more stunningly it's amazing. Fine. Yeah, it actually becomes more right than it was in the first place. Mm. Well, in a very particular way. This word, whilst, um, does mean the same as while. And it's just one of those words that fell out of American English. So they mean exactly the same thing. And Derek, who wrote and provided um, a link for uh, a a kind of an explanation of this. But yeah, while and whilst mean the same thing, uh, but they just kind of, the meaning remained the same, but the word changed as it went from correct English to American English. Correct English. (laughs) Nice one, Mike. (laughs) We also have a a blog post from listener Alistair speaking about the 
the Mac App Store. And, you know, there was this this leak by our friend uh, Dan Council we we talked about of all these apps that have left the Mac App Store or maybe weren't even ever there to begin with. And Alistair kind of has a counterpoint of saying, well, you know, there are a lot of apps that um, that are there that, that he uses. Um, and there's a bunch of good ones, like things like Evernote and 1Password and TweetBot, PDF Pen Pro, Byword, OneNote. Um, a lot of good OS X apps that are still in the App Store, and the, some of these are App Store only, like TweetBot. Um I noticed a common link between most of the really good apps that are in that list. Right. iCloud. Yeah, because you have to have you have to be in the app store to use iCloud for any sort of data store or syncing or anything. And so Tweetbot, of course, uses for example, uses one uh or uses iCloud to sync things like mute list and red position and all and all that sort of stuff that makes it really seamless. Put down your iPad, hook up your iPhone and you're in the same place. Um and, you know, some of these apps are available outside of the App Store. Things like uh, Evernote, I believe you can get directly from Evernote. You can, I believe you can get 1Password and PDF Pen Pro directly. Um, but, it, you know, it's it's a good post. You go check it out. But the, the question that leads me to is is what you just touched on, Mike. If iCloud were available outside the App Store, like, who would... Is that holding a lot of these people there? I reckon and I think so. it may be. You think something yeah. like TweetBot. Like, I feel like at this point they would keep that outside the store. Um, and all of the apps that sell maybe in both places would maybe keep it outside as well. It's, I, I think it's clear from this list uh, that you can see that there is a market on the Mac App Store for certain types of apps, like really high-profile apps like Evernote you know, and OneNote and stuff like that. It's good for them to be on the App Store because it's where maybe the most general of user will look for apps, right? Because it's the one place, it's in the dock. You'd want it to be there. Um, and I think it, you know, it definitely shows the Mac App Store isn't dead, but I think it, in, a, in an interesting way, also highlights that there is a really healthy market for the direct route as well because it's half of Alistair's apps, right? It's split in half. And I think that's probably the same for quite a lot of our listeners. Yeah, I definitely have a lot of stuff in my dock that, that comes from the Mac App Store because again, that it's not a choice for some of these apps. That's a decision those developers have made that is right for their business. Um, but you know, again, it's it's just interesting that there's this sort of dual world where uh, I don't I mean, I imagine that you could just get by on stuff that's in the Mac App Store, and I'm sure that some users do. But I mean, I think something even as widespread as Microsoft Office, uh, you know, you've got to get outside. So I can't imagine the number of OS X users out there that are living completely within the Mac App Store. Uh, I just don't see that being a, a, a big section of the population. You know, what, uh, what, what's interesting, I guess, as a, as a thought experiment would be in, a, in an ideal state with a sort of parity between the Mac App Store and selling apps outside of the store. So imagine that you could choose between having all these types of apps, so Audio Hijack, Bartender, all these, dif- all these different powerful Mac apps on the Mac App Store. And at the same time, you could also choose to have these apps outside of the Mac App Store, but with the same benefits, such as iCloud. What would you choose? And personally, I would say with, a, you know, with the same features, 
in a in a with this with two options and the same product with no limitations i would choose the mac app store just because it's easier and so if only and i truly believe that buying from the mac app store presents a, an easier you know mechanism for all kinds of people and so that's why i believe it's such a shame that apple isn't letting you know the mac app store grow and accept different kinds of apps and you know different kinds of business models because technically it is a better system for people. It's easier, it's safe. You don't have to put in your credit card, you know, multiple times over and over. It's integrated with the system. It's just old and limited and it's not growing anymore. And that's why I, I think they're making a mistake here. You know, it's it's okay, you got options. You can go to the website of a developer, but you don't get the same features and you don't get the same experience. And I know that, you know, with 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 two options in an equal state, I would always choose the Mac App Store, but right now I can't. And, you know, that's why I think it should be improved. Totally agree. Adrian also points out that um, Apple have trademarked the word AirPods, and this is probably on the back of the conversations last week about the removal or potential removal of the 3.5 millimeter jack for headphones. And yeah, I mean, Apple patents and trademarks a ton of things, but I guess when you look at that word airpods does seem like a root naming route that they would go down if they made bluetooth headphones but it doesn't mean they're gonna do it yeah i mean they you know apple has all sorts of patents trademarks for all sorts of things but i agree with you the name would fall into their scheme pretty nicely um and you know i think at some point they they may um you know i have the uh Federico, you have them too i think the is it the power beats the Bluetooth oh beats, no! Like, I got I got the Bluetooth uh, Beats Studio wire the wireless ones, right. and um, I got the Jaybird Bluebirds. Jaybird, that's what I'm thinking of. Uh, yeah. You know, there there are Beats has one as well. There there are products now that are sort of wireless earbuds, and most of them have a cable in between them, and like the microphone ends up kind of behind your ear, and it doesn't really work all that well in the things that I've tried. So there are things like what this could be out there now. Um, and again, there's this tension with now that Apple owns Beats of like, if Apple were to do this at some point, I think it'd be really far down the road. I think if they're going to Lightning, they're going to have Lightning earpods for the foreseeable future. But if they do offer some sort of Bluetooth option, I'm sure it would be an additional product. You know, Apple has always sold those the premium earbuds, uh, or they have for a long time. I've got a pair of the originals somewhere. But now there's this tension where they own Beats as well. So, like, would Apple have a Apple branded uh, AirPod type thing, and also the Beats wireless stuff, and these other brands? Like, I don't know. It's it's it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Well, they've got to put something in the box, in theory, right? Uh, maybe eventually, uh, but I don't know. I mean, but like that's why they might have AirPods and Beats. Like Beats won't yeah. be in the box. Yeah, but I think if Apple drops the 3.5 millimeter jack. I don't think they're going to go straight to Bluetooth. I, I think they're going to step in between with lightning your pods to keep from a cost perspective. And Yeah, I agree um, with that. I agree with so that notion. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. It'll be interesting either way. Uh, Steven, you did something uh, which I think is very expected, but I think is unexpected for you. Uh, this is the part of the show where we talk about what we bought because we are all three weak. Uh, you are the weakest currently. Soft boned. Uh, <laughs> Young men, open walleted. <laughs> is that is that a phrase we're going to it, use now? It is now. Uh, yeah. So you know, I had uh, 
I picked up like the 32 gig iPad Pro just to check it out, spend some time with it, try to understand it. Eventually get around to writing a review when I have time. Um, and I had to return it because these things have a return policy. And uh, at some point I'm going to get flagged for doing stuff like this, but I haven't yet. Um, and I uh, went back to my iPad Air 2 for a couple of weeks and uh, was immediately pretty uh, cramped on the uh, on the Air 2 and felt like it was sort of sort of the wrong size. I mean, if you remember back when Mike was right started and a lot of that sort of took off bigger than just our show um, with CGP Gray and like the conversation that the iPhone 6 for, for him and I think for me too and for you guys sort of the wrong size phone like the 5 5s is really nice and the, the plus is really nice but the 6 kind of says in this weird in-between spot and I kind of am beginning to feel that way about the Air 2. I, I still think Apple was right to start with that size. I think the, I was at 9.7 inch display. Makes a lot of sense for a lot of people. But for me, it's just sort of the wrong size now where I want to do this multitasking and, and side-by-side stuff. And it's just all, especially with the keyboard up, very cramped on the Air 2. Where the iPad Mini, which I've also been using, my kids have one and I've been using it and actually there's a lot to like about the iPad mini still that stuff is so cramped on there it doesn't make any sense I'm still using if I pick up their iPad mini for something I'm doing one app at a time but the the pro and the air 2 feel just like extremely different devices and so I ended up going back and getting the 128 gig uh pro because 32 gig is too small for me and I really wish there was a 64 gig so I didn't have to buy the most expensive one (laughs) But that's life. Um, so yeah, so I've got it. It's in my bag. I've been setting it up as new uh, for, for like a clean start, not restoring my backup, which is nice. And uh, yeah, so it's my iPad of choice for the next year. Welcome to the wow. new club. I don't know what yeah. this one is. Maybe this is Teachy is right. I don't know. But so I, yeah. I had I had I had thoughts about that because um, I think the Mike was right era is coming to a close. You know, within the, the year, it can be very no, no. Um, uh-uh. It's gonna carry on. Remember, eighteen months. No, right. why? <laughs> it's, it's, year, it's, it's not the, the year of Luigi. The year of Luigi is eighteen months. We are not using the year of Luigi as a measurement unit, Mike. I would like to. Uh, you know, in uh, in space stuff, they just make basically make up measurements. So you have the astronomical unit, which is the distance between the Earth and the Sun, which means nothing to anybody but humans, right? Like, like, oh, it's one AU away. But that's not a thing. Don't all measurements mean nothing to anybody but humans? Well, it's, uh, it's you have to listen to Liftoff and find out if they're aliens this week. But um, so I agree with Federico. The year of Luigi seems like a weird measuring stick. Um, but I also don't think that Mike was right. Like at some point, it has to shift, and I think it's Federico's turn to pick up the mantle. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so I second the motion that it is the year of of Tichi. And I think right. we go with that for twenty sixteen. I bet he takes eighteen months though. Maybe. Well, yeah, because I'm better than you, Mike. Well, it's wow. just, you know, you're <laughs> oh, Italian, sorry, you got the Italian plumbers <laughs> going on, you know? You know Mike edits this show, right? That's just going to be gone from the edit. <laughs> oh, just yeah, a long beep. <laughs> going to make me sound awful. <laughs> yeah. No, Mike, uh, I think you've done a pretty good job with uh, 2015. Yeah. You, many of your opinions have been right. Yeah, it's Mike. been a good year, I must say. I, I, I can see that, you know, it feels like if you're ever going to stop it. The turn of the year makes sense. Yeah, Talking about been... buying things, I have actually finally purchased a smart keyboard. 
Oh, yeah? Huh. It is currently 15 minutes away from my home. A man called Tony has it in a van, and he's driving it, and I'm tracking him. You should get Tony on the podcast when he shows up. I'll take the microphone downstairs and be like, how has your journey been today, Tony? Can you really? No, I would have to take my entire computer with me. Mm. Or just buy a really long XLR cable. I haven't got the time to get that. Or in invite minutes. Tony upstairs. There's yeah. no, there is no world in which Tony knocks on my door and I say, "Come to my bedroom." In that he is gonna do that, is he? Right. That that is a whole other different show. That is not this show. Wow. Uh, so we have uh, one last piece of follow up, and this is a question we've been asking ourselves for a while now. Is Google Docs updated for iOS 9 yet? No. <laughs> Drive <laughs> is, right? We, um, we This has been established. Drive is. So we know and it's coming, right? That is, that is the good theory. As is Chrome, right? As is Chrome. Um, but Google Drive being updated is kind of the first piece of that puzzle because that's the whole suite. So fingers crossed. Any day now. I really would like that day to be now, though. But it's coming. Yeah, I, I, this is just incredible, right? I mean, it's been, what, uh, two, three months? But this was what it was like when they were updating for the, the 6 Plus. Well, it doesn't mean it's right. It's a stupid policy. I'm to not saying it's long. a good thing. I'm just saying it's their thing. Yeah, it's unsurprising and it's always disappointing, you know? I mean, it's Google. It's not like we're asking some dude in, you know, some country, you know, with limited resources to update a suite of apps for a new OS. It's a big, huge company. Uh, I, I really don't understand why they're doing this. It feels uh, political to me. Okay, if it's political, that it's just bad for users. Yeah. I mean, you can you can have you know the the the, the ideas that you want to have, but doesn't mean it's right for people like us or people in general. You know, I mean, it's just you you use the app on the on the iPad Pro and it's awful. Uh, and and what's even worse is that. I don't want to switch to something else because I know I I enjoy the benefits of Google's approach. You know, it's all in one system, one account. I got my Gmail, I got my Google Docs, I got my Google Calendar. I don't want to switch to something else. I know that I got options. I could use, you know, other services for document collaboration. I just don't want to switch. And so I'm left here complaining alone, basically, with you too. So I'm in good company, but we don't have a good app. So. Federico, you are not alone. I am here with you. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. This week's episode is brought to you by Braintree, code for easy online payments. If you're a mobile app developer, check out Braintree. They are the payment solution used by so many apps that I expect at least a couple of are on your iPhone and you probably use quite frequently. Apps like Uber, Airbnb, Hotel Tonight, Living Social, Munchery, and many, many more use Braintree. So if you've ever paid for something, like think how easy it is to pay in Uber. Or you don't even need to think about it. That's because of Braintree. Braintree has made the payment experiences in all of these apps totally seamless. And now you can add a similar experience to your own app as well. With excellent customer service and simple integrations, Braintree gets you ready to receive your payments super easily and super quickly. Braintree's continuous support plus fast payouts means that you'll be prepared as your company grows from your first dollar to your billionth. Braintree is also helping solve the problem of mobile card abandonment by offering a best-in-class mobile checkout experience. And as I said before, the experiences that they provide are super magical. They're seamless, and they make your favorite apps 
Sing. Now you can add a similar experience to your own apps as well. Braintree will provide you with a full stack payment solution, support for all payment types that your customers might want, including PayPal, Apple Pay, Bitcoin, Venmo, cards, and many more with just one single integration. It's with you and your customers across all platforms, and Braintree has superior fraud protection, fantastic customer service, and really importantly, fast payouts to make sure that you get the money that your business needs to help you grow. That's very important when you're accepting payments for stuff. You just want them to come in quickly so you can put that money to good use. To learn more and for your first $50,000 in transactions fee-free, go to braintreepayments.com slash connected. Thank you so much to Braintree for their support of this show. So just before we kick into some topics this week, we have a couple of interesting topics, to say the least. Uh, we launched membership at Relay FM. Um, yesterday as we record this uh, basically a Relay FM membership it comes with a, a bunch of cool little perks and they're available across all the different tiers that we have so every year we're going to do some bonus episodes that will coincide with Relay FM's birthday in August so there'll be bonus episodes of all of your favorite shows and we'll be doing some fun stuff for those uh, there's going to be a monthly behind the scenes newsletter which kind of will go into detail about some of the stuff that we're doing at Relay FM and you'll get some cool little tidbits and Stephen's going to be putting that together for you every month um, also, uh, you can get 15% off anything in our merchandise store. So buttons, stickers, and Relay FM t-shirts, you'll get 15% off all, any of this and all of it for being a Relay FM member. We have a bunch of different ways that you can uh, become a member of Relay FM. There are three different tiers. We have the silver tier at $5 a month, the gold tier at $10 a month, or you can pay annually for $100 a year. Uh, we'd love it if you'd... Uh, Go and become a member of your favorite shows. You can uh, become a member of any of the shows. So, for example, if you really love Connected, which I'm sure that you do, you should become a member and give Connected some money. Or if you love all of the shows that we have at Relay FM, you can do that. You can become a member and support all of your favorite shows, and money will be given to all of the hosts of Relay FM. So we give as much money as we can to the hosts of the shows. So when you become a member and you choose which shows you want to support, as outside of transaction fees, we'll be giving all of the money to the hosts. So if you really do love one or two shows more than all the others, you should try and support them because then more money will go to your favorite hosts. So please go check that out at relay.fm slash membership. It's a way to have our hosts um, be rewarded a little bit more for the time they put in. We're still going to be uh, an advertising-focused business. That's the way that this uh, industry works and that it works well for us. Um, this is a way to show support directly to the host that you enjoy. And um, I'm excited. I've joined uh, as a member for a couple shows. And um, I guess the perks will be a little less exciting for me since I create them. But <laughs> other than that, I'm really glad to be helping out some hosts directly. So it's um, it's super cool. Go check it out. It'd be awesome to have you on board. You bet. Yeah. All right. So Apple provided us with some fantastic uh, topic uh, for today. It was like it was like an hour ago. Like Yeah. I was dropping my kids off uh, for the day with some friends and was like, oh, yeah, let me just, uh, like I was sitting in traffic. I was like, let me just open up, uh, see what's going on. And it's like, oh, like I'm waiting for this train to pass by. I'm just sitting at the train crossing and like reading this iPhone battery case news. And I wanted, to, I had the sudden urge to hurl my phone into the moving train. Like that was my <laughs> sort of uh, gut level response to this. So for some reason, and that is my overall feeling about this. For some reason, Apple have created a battery case just for the iPhone 6 and 6S. Not the Plus. Yeah, not the Plus. And it does a few different things. It gets you an additional 18 to 25 hours of battery life. That's kind of the main thing. When you put the case on, 
it helps boost your antenna signal with some integrated antennas or something. Yeah, um, cool. And I guess that's kind of it. It's a silicon case. It's all integrated in one. There's only one piece. Um, and it is god-awful ugly, <laughs> right? Like, what is yeah. happening here? So this is one of so, those things. I'm looking at this product, and, and I urge you to go to the show notes. There'll be a link to the store, so you can go check it out for yourself. And what we have here is a silicon case, like the regular silicon cases, with a huge backpack on it or something. It's got, like, this little brick that sits on the back, which is the battery. And you can kind of see what they were trying to do, right? They wanted to have one piece, and if you want to have a battery, and batteries are rigid, you can't have one piece, so they made a silicon case, and they obviously couldn't have the battery fill up the whole thing. So there's this, like, area where you fold it back, and you push the phone in, and you fold it back over again. So, like, in theory, like, that is an interesting way to solve this problem. Mm -hmm. But there are many avenues to go down when talking about this. The first one is the fact that, it just doesn't look good at all. It looks it looks like a pregnant iPhone. That's a great way of putting it. It's like there's a baby iPhone inside there. <laughs> so obviously it's not the full size yet because it's only a baby iPhone. There's an wow. original iPhone. If, this, if the they eye. did make one for the 6 Plus, it would be the size of like a 4. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I have a thought that, um, and I don't really think this, but the thought crossed my mind that Maybe they just had like a barge full of extra iPod Touch batteries, and that's what's inside <laughs> this thing. And they're like, "Well, they had to come from somewhere, right? Like, where did those batteries come from? Maybe yeah, that's it." Yeah. So either like Phil Schiller can build a fortress for his kids out of these, or we can glue it into the silicone case and we can sell it for a hundred bucks. Like, yeah. I, uh, so it it gets weirder because uh, according to The Verge and some other reviews. This thing, this case can't take your phone from a zero to 100% charge. Yeah. And you also can't choose when to do it. It just does it itself. So, like, all of that combined, like, with the weird design, like, if they made the whole back a battery, like the Mophies do, could you get from zero to 100%? Could you go from zero to 100 and then a little bit more, even like some of these cases do? The Mophies do. So, yeah. yeah. And so, like, that's why I think, like, in my, in the, like, sort of, jokey part of my brain that this whatever's inside this thing and i'm sure ifix it will take it apart in about five minutes that this is a part that we already know about and they're just like oh let's just put it in a case if this um, is an ipod touch battery if they find a way of doing that then then federico loses the year of federico and it goes to steven i think so sorry federico uh, a very short-lived i've already lost <laughs> oh god we've all lost something today. that escalated really quickly and, you know, maybe, and uh, I don't know if Apple has said anything about this. I mean, maybe the uh, the thought is that, hey, this thing, because it's silicone, it's going to be easier to pick up. You know, one thing I don't like about some of the, the battery cases, especially some of the cheaper ones, they're like that hard, slick plastic, and it doesn't, it's kind of hard to hold on to. The Mophie, I think, has got a soft touch finish, which is nice. But, um, you know, maybe the thought is, hey, it's easier to pick up, it's easier to hold, like you kind of have a place for your fingers to go on either side of this um, battery hump, but... Either way, like it is not, uh, it's not good looking at all. I Man, looking at this like three hundred sixty degree view on the store, and it, it's sort of yeah. hard to believe that this is real. Yeah, it doesn't look good. But I read a couple of reviews this morning, and especially the one from Joanna Stern. Um, quite a few people saying that it it's not sexy at all. It's ugly. 
but it's comfortable to hold, even more so than a Mophie. So I don't own a Mophie. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I mean, I do know what you're talking about. I don't have any hands-on experience. But I read from these reviews that because it's um, thinner, you know, at the top and bottom edges, and the battery is, you know, the the, the basically the bulge is in the middle of the case, um, it's more comfortable than other battery cases. Yeah, I so can, can see you... that. And I can see that that's probably the reason that they did it. But yeah. what you end up with... It's something exactly. that doesn't look good. <laughs> no, it doesn't look good. Um, and then there are like, you know, the, the weird parts of it. It's like, okay, you made a battery case and then made the battery small so it doesn't actually do a full charge from zero to 100. But the biggest part about all of this, so let's park the way it looks for a bit, is Apple have made a battery case. What yeah, does that say? Uh, so a lot of people are saying, well, you know, this is Apple... Uh, making some sort of statement that they understand that the iPhone 6 battery life is not uh, what people want. This no, is I don't, issues, think, issues I don't think they care about that, right? <laughs> I, don't th- I don't think they care about it either. I think that this falls in line with Apple's more traditional ex- approach towards accessories where they, you know, for a long time, Apple's made, I mean, they made like this $100 leather iPod case they introduced with the iPod Hi-Fi, which... Uh, was gorgeous. I think I sold one of them in three years at the Apple Store. Like, it's Denzel. Um, they've made iPhone and uh, obviously iPhone cases for a long time now. I think they, they look at the market and they see what's popular and they they if there's a, a thing they can move into and they think they can do it well, then they, they do it. And I think maybe they missed the mark on this. I don't think this think this case, this particular battery case has problems. But um, I don't think it's like a political statement about the iPhone 6 slash 6S battery life. Um, now, the the flip side of that coin is there's not one for the Plus. So if they are saying yeah. the 6S battery life isn't good enough, are they saying the Plus is good enough? Like Then it sort of gets weird. But um, I just think they, they look at the accessory market and they think, hey, we can move into this space. And I'm sure they're going to sell a bunch of these things because they're in the Apple Store and um, they got the logo on it. But... Um, it's that doesn't make it less weird to me that they've done this sort of thing in the past. Yeah, I wonder why there's no six plus option. Uh, I mean, is it because it's too big otherwise, or because Apple seems to implicitly say you got the six plus, so you got plenty of battery, you don't need a case? Uh, I I don't I, I kind of would like to see a six plus option, just mainly out of curiosity to check it out. I don't think I'm gonna use this thing daily. Um, but I, I feel like there's no particular statement about, you know, we're doing this so you people can understand the real motivation. I don't think there's any subtext here about Apple making statements about battery. It's just about the money, you know. Apple knows that quite a few people are going to buy a case from Apple, a battery case from Apple, especially because it's on Apple.com. It'll likely have a more prominent position in the Apple stores. And it's a problem common enough that people are gonna... This is gonna make for a great Christmas present, I feel like. And even if it's not maybe the best option, even if it's not... It doesn't get you from zero to a hundred, you know? I feel like Apple is gonna sell a lot of these. And it doesn't matter if it looks ugly or... I mean, it matters for us, but, you know, most people just want some extra battery and i've seen people put the craziest accessories on their iphones just to get a little extra protection or battery so it doesn't surprise me if this case is gonna sell a lot of units sure but if you allow me to be that guy for a minute right yeah 
the, you know, the whole thing about the iPhone battery life not changing over the oh, years no. yeah, I is agree with Apple that. kind of, their kind of line on it is that this is the amount that you need, right? That's like, yeah. we stick to this level because we believe this level was the level that people need in their daily life. If you believe that, battery cases don't need to exist, but now you're making one. Selling them in the stores, like selling Mophies in the stores, you're kind of budging up against that line, but it's kind of okay because you can be like, this is an accessory that people are looking for. It's, we, you know, we allow these things to be made by the MFI program, so we put them in our stores. But actually go, taking the time to develop, design, manufacture, and sell your own one is a whole different scenario when you are the company that can control the battery life in the phone. Like, it all just is a little weird. And all it does is it makes us mad because we're all, we all want more battery life in our phones. And yeah. it, it, I don't know. It, like, you were talking about this last week, Federico, actually. And I was talking back to my iPhone a little bit when you were saying about how you know we want the th- the phones to stay as they are and then apple make them thinner we complain mm-hmm. but then get used to the thinness and yeah. then we're happy with it yeah. and i kind of agree with that right like i like that they're thinner but i really didn't feel like it needed to be thinner the last time and and I, it really doesn't need to be thinner than this like if they make it thinner yeah you get used to it and you like it but do you need your next iphone to be thinner than your current one like, if you look well, at it right now, like, if they came out with the iPhone 7 and it was the same thickness, would that annoy you? I don't know, but it's not a it's not a matter of being annoyed by sameness. It's being surprised by difference. Yeah, but the, the main surprise is, like, oh, the battery life is the same again. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, would you, would you switch an hour of battery life for a sexier phone? But they no, all I mean, I good. know I would, cho- I would choose battery life myself, but, you know, uh, I'm going to sound stupid for saying this, but a lot of people buy iPhones for the way they look just because it's an iPhone and just because it's sexy and new. I'm sorry, but that's just, you're not going to hear this kind of opinion on, on tech podcasts and tech blogs, but a lot of people buy an iPhone just you, because it looks You can make good. it look new without making it thinner, though, right? Like you can do a different case design, but I'm thinner just saying, doesn't have to be one of those things. I know the argument that you're making. I can see where yeah. you're coming from, Yeah. But, but I was just, it was just something that I wanted to give that opinion, and obviously, unlike regular listeners, I can force my opinions into the show, which I just did. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah all of this is it's just it's really strange all of this is just very strange to me and if you couple this with that apple watch charger the apple accessory game from a design perspective is <laughs> real peculiar right now yeah it's a bizarre <laughs> world uh that charger is is really strange <laughs> i wonder too like why if you're gonna sell an accessory like this, and I'm sure they hope that it does well. It's actually uh, a little rare in the Apple world that it is actually relatively um, priced pretty competitively. I mean, yes, you can go like get battery cases. There's one like Amazon right now that's a lot cheaper. But if you're gonna buy like a name brand battery case, you're gonna spend you know seventy, eighty, a hundred bucks. Yeah, they so, are that amount of money, but they do have bigger batteries in them. That's true, and they don't look like uh, whatever this thing looks like. But it is it, it is a strange time. If you had to choose, would you be on a desert island with the new iPhone case or with the magic mouse and the lightning connector at the bottom? 
That doesn't bother me so much. And it's the same like people <laughs> um people are saying about like the pencil, you know, charging in the iPad. Like but like I said, whilst that is inelegant, that is actually really useful that it charges that way. Because you're using the thing. This has happened to me. It happened to me like two days ago. I'm using it and I get a little notification that says your pencil has five percent of battery life. So I'm like, Great, just pop it in the side for like five minutes and it was like at seventy percent or something crazy like that. I was like, great, perfect. Rather than me having to go and find somewhere to plug it in. Like that one, I'm totally on board of that one. Like it is weird, inelegant, kind of dangerous for everyone, but it makes a lot of sense. And the thing is, when you're using a battery case, I think you kind of, you understand what's going on here. Like, you know, if I ever use a Mophie, it's like, right, I'm using this thing. My phone is now bigger than it should be. I'm okay with that because I'm getting the battery life. I don't know if you necessarily need to make it. So it's like, oh, it still feels kind of like I'm just wearing a case and I have battery. Like, Because then you put the thing on the desk and you press the home button and the thing really flips over and hits you on the back of the hand. Like, It's going to be all kinds of weird. But they did what they yeah. had to do. Yeah, it, uh, I don't know. You know, it. I guess the upside of this case and like this other stuff that Apple's doing is they can tie like the case to iOS in some interesting ways, but there's even some drawbacks there. But like, I think at the, bo- the end of the day, if someone is going to like buy a new iPhone or buy a battery case or buy a watch charger, like looks do matter. Um, and it's troubling that these are now two accessories in a row from Apple that don't look very good. And I think our collective opinion, uh, but you know, like is like having this battery meter in the notification center. Is that enough to sell this over a Mophie? Like, uh, I'm not sure that it is. I'm sure some people will buy it, but I think at the end of the day, it's not gonna. Like, uh, Kyle, uh, Kyle's of the gray, uh, just tweeted <laughs> something. Remember when getting Sherlock by Apple was a bad thing? Now it's just marketing for your superior product. Uh, <laughs> That's a really good insight there. From yeah, the gray. he's a he's a real thought leader um, in the technology uh, space. But I like that idea. That <laughs> like I think I think it's well said that this isn't. You know, and maybe you could never really say it about Apple accessories. I don't think Apple accessories were ever like leading the charge. Like their cases now are nice, but they're better cases out there. Uh, their keyboards and mice are nice, but they're arguably better keyboards and mice out there. Um, so maybe this just falls in line in the tradition of like, if you want something Apple made, we sell it and it does some kind of cool stuff others can't do, but there's trade offs. Um, but if you want something that's more powerful or works in a different way than Apple thinks, so look, there's lots of third-party ones. But what if you just want something nicer? I'm not trying to justify what Apple is doing here. I think it looks ugly. But what if you want something that feels nicer in this case? You know, I mean, it's yeah, and, and that's clearly an angle they're going for, right? Like all yeah. those reviewers saying it, like that—that that is something that Apple has gone for, and it seems like they've done that. If it feels gr- nice in your hand. Like that is a very important metric to a lot of people. This yeah, point. yeah. Um, and so yeah, so I think there's again, it's just trade offs, and it kind of depends on the priorities that you have. If I'm going to buy a battery case, I want like the most battery sure. I can stuff into a case, and so this isn't going to be for me. It, but it reminds me, it reminds me, and forgive me if I'm going to bring headphones into the discussion just briefly. It reminds me of how many people make fun of me every time I tweet about liking my Beats headphones. I know I I have better options. And there's plenty of better headphones, and but I just, besides liking liking the the, the the fun sound of the Beats headphones, you know, with the bass that's higher than normal 
they just look cool and they just look nice. And you may be like, oh, I'm not going to spend my dollars on headphones just because they look nice. Yes, I will spend my euros in this case uh, on headphones that look nice because I want to wear my headphones also if I'm in public, you know, I'm whatever I am. And I don't want to look like a like a stupid human robot with a bunch of huge headphones on my ears. Uh, you know, there's an argument to be made about the fact that technology isn't just about tech specs, and I feel like that's kind of obvious, you know. Um, but when you read these reviews and you hear most podcasts, there's an, I, I want to be the guy who, who brings the 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 fashionable aspect into the discussion. You know, I want to I want us. Yeah, I want to sp- I want to spend my money on something that it's n- it's not the best technological option but maybe feels nicer or looks nicer. Is that stupid maybe? So I'm happy to be stupid. That's my conclusion. I have to just wrap this this conversation up by just pointing out something that I noticed on the the case page like in the highlight section you know like where they'll say like oh internet use up to 18 hours in lte that kind of thing one of the highlights is designed by apple that's like not even words like product benefit we designed it there's your product benefit right there yeah this week's episode is also brought to you by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses that you can grab yourself for a fraction of the price of what you'll usually find in stores. Buying a mattress is a peculiar thing to do. You go to a store, you speak to people at the store, there's a bunch of beds in a big room with lots of other people in them, and you're wearing your shoes and your coat, and you sit on the bed, and maybe you lay down on the bed, uh, just on top of it, maybe for like two minutes or so, and then maybe your partner lays down on the bed next to you, and you decide, yes... This is the mattress that I'm going to spend the next 30 years on. That's how you make that decision. Then you pay a really, really high price and you leave and they bring it to you. And then you have to try and fight to get it up the stairs. That is how buying a mattress has always been in the past. This is what Casper is changing and they're doing it in a great way. Casper mattresses are fantastic. They provide resilience and long-lasting supportive comfort. Casper have created their own mattresses, one of a kind, a new hybrid that combines premium latex foam with memory foam. They bring these two technologies together for better nights and brighter days. It has just the right sink and just the right bounce. It's obsessively engineered at a shockingly fair price. For example, you can get yourself a twin-size mattress for $500, a full-size for $750, a queen for 850 and a king for 950. All Casper mattresses are made in America. Usually you would be paying well over $1500 for a mattress, but you can see how fantastically priced Casper's mattresses are. And it doesn't end there. The best thing about Casper is their risk-free buying period. So you go online, you go to casper.com/connected, you want to go to that website because you know that's what you want to do. And you want to check it all out and you find a mattress that you like, you find the right size. And you buy it online and they ship it to you in a box, which is super easy to get upstairs. And you open the box and you bring the mattress out. You kind of open it up from its vacuum packing and it breathes into life. You then get to sleep on that bed for 100 days. They will deliver it to you for free. And if you're not happy, you can return it for free as well. It's that simple. Lying on a bed for a couple of minutes is a weird way to buy something you're going to sleep on for the next 10 years. You want to sleep on it in your own home, in your own pajamas, and understand exactly what it feels like to sleep on this bed every day. And you get to do that with a 100-day risk-free return period. It is that 
simple. Listeners of this show can get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash connected and using the code connected at checkout. That's casper.com slash connected and use the code connected at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Please see the site for details. Thank you so much to Casper for their support of this show and Relay FM. So I feel like we kind of knew that this was coming, uh, but nevertheless, it is sad that it has happened. Uh, Dropbox announced yesterday that they're killing Carousel. Boo, oh, we're so sad. Oh, and Mailbox. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Tell us about your feelings, Mike. My feelings are very complex. Um, I knew this was coming. It was obvious to me, right? Mm-hmm. The app wasn't being updated, um, and I could, there was no real product direction. Nothing seemed to be happening. Uh, but it was one of those things that even though I knew it was coming, I didn't want to let go because I love Mailbox. I've grown to my, my kind of workflows into Mailbox, the whole system of moving email around in lists, um, which I haven't found any other app that does that, which I love. So I kind of just move around the things that are most important. I physically move them around so I don't lose things. I snooze emails quite a lot. That's all going away because Mailbox is going away. And it isn't this this scenario isn't like when an app usually is uh, is killed where like it will work, you know, it will just continue to work and then one day it will stop working. But if you really don't want to let go, you can at least hold on to it for a little while longer, right? Because it won't be broken until iOS updates break it. But a lot of Mailbox's features are done server-side, like the snoozing and stuff like that. And on February the 26th, they're just killing all of that. So everything you have snoozed will just appear in your inbox again. Um, and all of that stuff is just going to just gonna break. So let's get back to Mailbox in a minute. Because there's a bigger discussion there about kind of why email apps seem to be basically impossible to survive um, on iOS. I want to talk about Carousel. Um, why did that exist? Why did Carousel mm. exist mm. at all? I think there was a, a minute before our show killed the entire industry that photo services looked like they were going to be a thing that people yeah. Yeah. were interested in. And we had Everpix and all these other companies that, again, we accidentally shut down. And <laughs> I think Dropbox saw that and said, you know, Dropbox was in a unique position at the time uh, because they already had storage infrastructure in place, you know uh, that that famous Everpix sort of like um, big article after they after they went away that was in the Verge. Basically, their company boiled down to we can't pay our AWS bill. Uh, Dropbox already had that well in hand. They already had a lot of syncing and file management tools available to them. And so I think from Dropbox's perspective, it was sort of an obvious. E- I don't want to say easy. I'm sure it was a, a difficult project, but a, a sort of natural evolution of the Dropbox product to say, hey, you know, we're going to have a sort of uh, sidecar app that is really uh, based around around photos and, and viewing your photos and storing them and backing them up to Dropbox and doing all that stuff. And it was actually really nice. And I think that the uh, with things like iCloud Photo Library and uh, LOL and photos on the Mac and uh, Windows is doing some interesting photo management stuff these days even though no one ever talks about it. Uh, I think that it just sort of like it was a thing that was going to happen on the internet and then it wasn't. And uh, I think it was just something that 
you know, Dropbox can get their business. It didn't make sense to to keep uh, putting money into. But I think at the time, I think it made a lot of sense. And I was excited by it. I was on all the betas. I used it for a long time. It was a really nice product. But then it just didn't go anywhere. And uh, I think they I think they were right to let it go if it, if that's indeed the case. But it was a funny one, right? Because nothing ever happened. They put it out there and they said they were going to kind of continue building it. But they didn't really... They released a couple of updates... No, <laughs> they didn't really change anything. Uh, it was just a bunch of minor additions. And it was like, I, I guess the big problem for these kind of services was Apple and Google uh, jumping into the game with iCloud for Library and Google Photos. And I feel like those two companies alone kind of killed the need for a third-party storage services for, for photos, you know, because a lot of people just want to take pictures and and let the device take care of the pictures in the cloud and you can do that with iCloud on on an iPhone you can do that with uh, Android on Android with Google Photos automatically and so it's always it's become a problem you know for these companies we've seen Everpix uh we've seen Loom which became Carousel under Dropbox and the Picture Life is another example uh, is that still beca- around it's around it's been acquired by another company that also does something kind of like Plex for media on your own server, I think. I don't even remember the name, but it's something about media. It's like not just pictures, but also music and movies, that kind of stuff. Um, So that's not really around anymore, basically. Um, And it's become... It's become a problem for... If you're a third party and you want to build a service on top of, you know... uh, storing storing pictures for people when people have better more native options on their devices so it's i would say launching carousel it was mostly a problem of bad timing for dropbox because just what like a year two year two years later uh it's sort of i i don't want to say it became useless because if there's plenty of use cases for storing uh pictures in dropbox and and having a better browsing interface but does it justify having a separate team and a separate product does it help dropbox get more customers i think that's the question that dropbox was asking themselves does having carousel and mailbox help us get more people to use our service, especially when Dropbox is in a kind of difficult phase that they want to kind of sell the product to more business customers and they want to get more users. I don't, I feel like it's the right choice to get rid of this, but it's still sad, you know, especially because Mailbox was an excellent product. Uh, but if you if you read the message that they have shared in the in the blog post, and I think in an email to customers, maybe they have kind of you know given up on on email. They they're basically saying we want to solve other problems that generate email in the first place. So we don't want to solve email anymore, and we're gonna focus on paper, which is arguable again, but still they have basically given up on reinventing email and, you know, reinventing photo management. All right. So, I mean, we can probably assume that they killed Carousel because I expect there probably wasn't anybody using it. Uh, But maybe Mailbox wasn't growing, but I'm sure it still had a relatively large user base. I guess the question is, would you start using and paying for Dropbox just because of Mailbox? No, you wouldn't. Yeah. And that's a problem for Dropbox. So why did they buy it? (laughs) 
I have no idea. Because people change, Mike. Because uh, <laughs> strategies change. It's teaching me something about life here today. Yeah, yeah I guess that maybe <laughs> two to three years ago, they kind of had this vision and now it didn't work out. So let's just kill the app. Yeah, I, I always had the thought in the back of my mind that Dropbox could become an iCloud-like deal. I mean, they already had the file stuff. Maybe they have... Like there were rumors a long time ago that Mailbox was also going to include an email service and then like adding contact and calendar sync for that like is not too far fetched. Like I could for a minute you could kind of get the feeling that Dropbox was going to make a move and becoming like a consumer sort of cloud company in a in a new in sort of a new way from where they were. But I think since then, to Federico's point, there the ground has shifted and I think with Dropbox Pro and Dropbox for Business, which is actually a really compelling, like, it's nice. Like, I've got clients who are on it. I've got friends who use it at work. It seems really great. Um, I think that's where they realize where the money is. And, uh, and so they're pursuing that as opposed to this this other vision. And, you know, Mailbox got caught in the crossfire of that, it seems like. So why, so they bought it, screwed up. Why did they kill it? Why didn't they sell it or let somebody take it? Like, the tech is there, right? They could have just sold it on. Do you think it just couldn't be bothered? Maybe we could take it over. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Connected mail? I know, like, <laughs> a little bit of CSS. That's that's enough to keep a mail, uh, email client up, right? Yeah, it's all web views. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I don't know. Maybe they just don't care about discontinuing the product. Or maybe they want to reuse some of the tech in, in a, an upcoming product or services or features like paper i don't know but maybe they have a there must be a i don't want to believe they they're not selling it because they don't want to like out of spite maybe they have some kind of reason maybe they want to although i do know that a lot of people left the mailbox team uh at dropbox uh but maybe they want to reuse the technology somewhere else that's the only possible reason i can think about what what could you use though like it's email technology i understand where you're coming from but it's like what could you do with that no idea mike organization of of stuff into lists i don't know it's just frustrating right like the whole thing is just real frustrating i kind of want to hear from your perspective what you're gonna do exactly do you know i actually don't know like so i have a plan right but okay but the plan means i have to completely rethink the way that i use email so it's not really a plan. It's more no. like giving like, up. <laughs> like I have the practicals, but I don't have the overall thinking. So like I'm going to use Outlook on iOS because okay. I was starting to use it more anyway because Mailbox on the iPad Pro was horrible, like just horrible. So I'm starting to use Outlook more there. And that app is is, is pretty good. And it's got most of what I want Um you know the one thing that that I that it has that I won't be using is the snoozing feature. So that they have one, so you can take an email and you can say, "Remind me about this on Monday or whatever," which I I like. But it, that 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 doesn't sync with any desktop client because the Outlook desktop client is not only horrific but doesn't have that feature because they're different, right? You got the iOS ones and the Mac ones; they're completely different code bases. They came from different places. So I'm gonna have to get rid of the idea of snoozing email. But I think maybe more importantly for me, though, is the reordering. I really like that, and and I can't do that anymore. Because what I'm most likely going to do with snoozing stuff 
is just get rid of the email. I'm just going to just get used to dealing with it, right? When it comes in, I'm just going to have to deal with it, sort it and file it. Because a lot of snoozing that I would do is like, say, for example, I got feedback for Connected on Thursday. I don't need that until at least Monday. So I would snooze it until Monday and then pick it up and deal with it. So what I'm going to have to do now, most likely, is set up like filters and folders and stuff. And then just know to go in and check them. But that's not an elegant solution. Like waking up on Monday morning and having the connected feedback or whatever in my inbox is perfect because on that day, I'm going to go and write up the documents. So could you see how like I built a workflow around it all? Mm-hmm. So that's I'm going to have to change all of that. And that's the hardest part of it all is, is changing it all. So today I have mail.app. I opened up mail.app. And I want to cry about it. I hate mail.app. Um, and I'm maybe going to try some other stuff. I saw this desktop app of link to it floating around called Polymail, um, which yeah, looks kind of yeah. pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I'm going to get on their alpha. So No, so look at you, horrific. all fancy and testing betas and alphas. Of all I things. was just tweeting about it and they said, send me your email address. <laughs> you know. Nice. nice. Um, I think you're going you're gonna to be interested in trying the uh, you know i've been working on this review about to do you know the ios task mm-hmm. manager and they have this upcoming email integration it's it's detailed on the to do website you can read about the product i think you'll i don't know if it'll work for you i definitely think it, you're going to be interested in, in that kind of feature uh but y- you will be able to read more details soon mike <laughs> and steven I'm I'm interested to see, but I I don't know how I feel about changing my task list manager because the yeah, email app that I yeah. use has gone away. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But we'll <laughs> see. I mean, like it is, it's too much change, man. New, new year, new new resolutions, Mike. Uh, so we, you gotta make it a goal of the next year to reimagine your life uh, around email and tasks. That's a that's a funny goal. <laughs> that's a fun way to start the year. Email and tasks. Well, what could be better? Michael? Oh, yeah, sounds fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, this yeah, I can I can feel you so frustrated by this news <laughs> because it's it's annoying. It's really annoying. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I can I can imagine. It's like if you know something like editorial Python install went away. For me, I can only imagine being emailed such a, an essential piece of your, you know, you communicate with a lot of people. You have to manage a lot of people every day uh-huh. for the network. So I can only imagine how big of a problem email, email is for you. Um, because one, you know, one of the other things I'm hoping for is a cross-platform solution. Yeah. Because that, that's yeah. ideally what I need, just so then I can build a real system. So there's a couple that are promising, Yes, exactly. Did you see the tweet from uh, the Spark uh, email client uh, about adopting mailbox-like snoozing? That could be a solution for you. Yeah, I've seen stuff like that, but the problem is Spark is iPhone only. And but they're they're saying, gonna, it's going to the iPad and the Mac. Yeah. But when, right? It's 2016, they're saying. And Airmail as well. I know it's pretty public they have an iPhone app in beta, but they yeah. don't seem to have an iPad app. Mm-hmm. And you know, and so that might work, but I want something that's everywhere. Because if it's not everywhere, I can't be in on that system, right? So I can't, I can't start snoozing stuff in Spark and then trying to use Mail app because everything will just explode. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of this stuff it gets really upset when you move it from platform to platform because these things are like horrifically hacking the way that IMAP works, right? Like it's just 
horrible the sort of stuff that they're doing to your email mm-hmm. so you kind of if you need if you want to take advantage of these systems you've got to be all in on that system so there are some potential contenders but nobody is really there yet mm. um i'm optimist mike that you're gonna find the solution within the next uh, let's say six months I give by you then six months i've most likely changed my system again like the way i work because i can't I can't not work for the next six months waiting for an email app. So what's the feature, the single feature that you want to be able to have? Is it snoozing? Is it lists? Is it the manual sorting of emails? Like you got to pick one feature because you have so many requirements. I feel like you're not going to find the perfect uh, mailbox replacement. But maybe Mm -hmm. if you only pick one feature, maybe you can find that. I really think because the snoozing is easier for me to deal with. Um, because a lot of the stuff that I snooze emails for is just for convenience. So I could get used to just going in and checking folders, right? That That isn't a difficult thing to do. But the reordering of email, there's no other way, there's no way for me to do that. I either can do it or I can't do it. So I think that's probably the main feature that I'm looking for. I mean, that happens with any third-party thing, right? Like we talk about what would the world be like without Twitter? Well, you know, we may find out one day. This stuff doesn't always, uh, doesn't always last forever. And I think the best bet for, for something like this is to find something that does it as part of their service and not rely on a third party um, like Mailbox or, or any of these other mail clients. Mail clients seem like a really hard business to be in. So I do some of this sorting, but I do it all in Gmail rules and filters. And so like my relay inbox would be crazy without this this uh, just catacomb of, of mail rules that I have set up to, oh. to sort things into folders as they come in and mark them as read. Uh, and it, it, it can help, but yeah, I mean, if, if reordering or things like that are what you want, then it's going to be harder to uh, to find it, I think. Yeah, and setting up filters and rules and all that stuff sounds kind of horrific, right? Like it just sounds like an, an epically difficult thing to try and work out, right? Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Maybe maybe I can get there at some point, but it's I think it's going to be a tough road back. But there is still some more that I want to talk about um, in regards to this and kind of Dropbox as a company and kind of understanding what's going on next. Clearly, they've made these changes uh, for a reason. But before we do that, let me take a moment to thank our friends over at Foot Cardigan for supporting this week's episode. A subscription to Foot Cardigan will get your favorite person one pair of fun, amazing, beautiful, whimsical socks delivered to their mailbox every month. Yes, this is that sock subscription service you've heard so much about. But... They're gonna the person that you buy a foot cardigan subscription for, they're gonna get a gift that keeps on giving. Every single month, for as long as you want, they're gonna get these pair of beautiful whimsical socks delivered right to them. It is the holiday season, it is upon us, and one of the most difficult parts of the holidays is picking out the perfect gift for the people that you know, but foot cardigan makes that super simple by giving you something that's really really unique and just really awesome. It finally makes it awesome to be given socks, right? People hate being given socks over the holidays because they're usually boring. But with foot cardigan socks, they're going to be great. And once you subscribe, or you could buy a subscription for somebody that you love, every month, that new pair of socks is going to arrive at home. They also have socks for kids as well. They have their whippersnapper range for ages 3 to 12. And whippersnappers, you get two pairs instead of just one pair. So... You always procrastinate, right? This is something that everybody does. Every year we procrastinate on a holiday shopping. It's never too late to change that. So you can go and get a foot cardigan subscription right now 
and get that awesome present for that person in your life. Foot cardigan subscriptions are available for three, six, and nine months prepaid. There's also a month-to-month option as well. Listeners of this show can get 10% of all subscription with the code CONNECTED at checkout. Remind your favorite person how awesome you are every month with Foot Cardigan and be the coolest person in your household because you bought some epic socks for the people you love. Thank you so much to Foot Cardigan for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, so Federico, what do you think is going on at Dropbox? I feel like they're getting squeezed by all sides and most of the, the the idea of the core Dropbox service is now available in a in 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 the products and in the devices as as a feature of you know of the iPhone of Android phones and every company is into file storage now you can you can have Apple Amazon Google uh Microsoft even uh and I feel like Dropbox started as a very simple idea and they built a business on top of this idea. But now the basic feature, which is storage in the cloud with you know integration with your smartphone and tablets and computers, is now available elsewhere as well. Now, I am a Dropbox user and I use the service every day. And I feel like Dropbox still has many, many details and features little, you know, differences that other companies don't get exactly right. Um, there's a simplicity and 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 almost, you know, all the integrations that Dropbox has with uh, with third-party apps. I cannot find those features in other solutions. I cannot. I don't trust iCloud Drive as much as I trust Dropbox because Dropbox lets me see versions of my files. It lets me share a file with other people. It lets me share a folder. It lets me view deleted files and restore them. So there's many... So the basic idea is available in other services, which is, you know, you get a X amount of gigabytes in the cloud. But the, the way that Dropbox does it, it's still, in my opinion, unique for at least for what I do and for what we need to do. So I don't want to see Dropbox going away. But that's not to say that other companies are getting are, are faster at becoming Dropbox than Dropbox is at, you know, kind of expanding and reaching more customers and more users. And I feel like this discontinuation of Carousel and Mailbox is sort of a sign of wanting to focus more on the the idea of Dropbox, but there's a weird contrast between this news and the upcoming Dropbox paper. I still don't quite understand how focusing on Dropbox and doing paper at the same time works, and I don't know if this paper product will contribute to the bottom line of the company, because that's what it's what the matter is, really, they want to grow the bottom line, as they say, they want to get more customers, they want to get more paying customers. And I don't know if this paper is going to be another nice, good-looking experiment, you know, it's still in beta, or if it's going to be a key feature that you sign up uh, and pay Dropbox for. So I don't know how I feel about Dropbox. I feel like they're a big company now. But they have been in many ways, over the past two years especially, they have been very slow at understanding what's changed. You know, being a storage company today is different than 2010. You have all these competitors from Apple to Microsoft. You have people communicating in a different way, you know, with Slack and, and with mobile messaging 
it's it's not the same scenario of five years ago. And even if you just look at iOS, Dropbox is being slow at adopting the latest features for multitasking and iOS 9. So I love the company, but it's not changing fast enough or not changing, evolving and growing fast enough, at least from my user perspective. I have no idea about their finances. Um, but I feel like they should... Focusing more is, is a welcome you know, change of pace. I'm kind of concerned or maybe confused about paper. I really don't know how it fits with the rest of the company, what they want to yeah. do. But I guess we'll see, <laughs> you know? Maybe it'll be discontinued next year. When I look at paper, it's like, I can see what you're trying to do, but you're trying, you're, you're claiming to build something like simple. And I don't know if people want like simple. I think mm-hmm. they want, if they want anything, they want something that replaces Google Docs, which is yeah. complicated and full featured. So while simple can be good, simple means not as many features sometimes. And I don't know if that is a good thing, but it does look pretty, but there, I can't remember what it was, but like I tried it out and there was just like a bunch of things in there that I needed that it didn't have if we were going to use it for like this, for example, what we're doing right now. Um, there's there's one other thing that I wanted to touch on before we finish today, which is the public perception of Dropbox after a move like this. Because I know I feel differently about them. Um, because in my mind now, they've changed from like scrappy upstart to a bigger company. Because like a big company will do this, right? Acquire things soak up the talent, and then eventually shut them down. And this doesn't seem to have been their intention, but it's what they've done. And it makes Dropbox feel a little bit more like monolithic to me, you know, like this big company, this big entity that's doing this stuff. And part of this, and I think the majority of my feeling towards this, is their use of the word sunsetting everywhere. Yeah, I know. Like they tweeted that the app update subscription for mailbox said added important sunset information that was the description like i don't like it when companies talk that way like be open to what you're doing you're shutting it down like they said that in like some of the email communication but some of their public a lot of their public facing stuff they're saying there's sunset in this product like it's a really bad buzzword and it's not something that people understand because it doesn't make any sense because the word is created to try and put a positive spin on a negative thing so it just doesn't make any sense. And then there's a little banner in the app now that says Mailbox will be shut down in X days. Like, why didn't they go with shutdown everywhere? They chose the shutdown verbiage in certain places and then sunsetting in others. I think I think moves like this are bad marketing moves and, and they deal with a company's perception. And now, you know, any company that uses the term sunsetting gets a little check in my brain because I just think it's a disgusting word to use for what you're what you're actually doing. It's one of those words you would hear from the Silicon Valley TV, yeah. TV show. <laughs> it's almost like a parody, really. Yeah. Like what it is is a sleight of hand trick, right? They're like, "Hey, look over here. We're using this lovely little word. People like sunsets, right? You like sunsets?" <clears throat> Closed. Yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah, they're trying to use this beautiful, evocative, poetic image of a sunset to really communicate that a bunch of people have lost their jobs and a product is gone. Yeah. I I don't know in this scenario if people have lost their jobs. It seems that they've actually just sucked up those engineers or people left Dropbox. That's how it seems anyway. Um, Because I, I haven't seen anything that people left or lost their jobs. And basically what it seems like is it was in maintenance mode and then got shut down. So what I assumed is Dropbox just had a 
what I assume is they just got a bunch of talented developers and moved yeah. them onto different parts of the team that are more important yeah. to them at the time. But I just really wish that they didn't say sunsetting. Yeah. Makes me sad, Federico. I agree. I agree. Uh, sad as a sunset. Mike. Dropbox is ruining sunsets for me now. <laughs> Whenever I every evening now, I just think about the fact that my email is going. You just I can picture the scene. You're just gonna be holding your girlfriend's hand on top of a hill in, in London, looking at the sunset, and all, looking, all you can think about is Dropbox and mail. A single a single tear runs down my face. And she turns <laughs> to me and she's like, "This sunset, it makes you emotional." And I was like, "No, darling, I'm thinking about my email." <laughs> think of all those emails, all of those newsies, Mike. They're all gone forever, and they're not coming back. Um, we can all look forward to Snooze Pocalypse on February 26th. <laughs> if you want to find our show notes for this week's episode, head on over to relay.fm slash connected slash 69. You can also find links on that uh, page to become a member of Relay FM and uh, give your money to this show. If you love this show, we would appreciate that. If you want to find us online, head over to the following places. MaxStories.net for Federico's writing. 512pixels.net for Stevens. And you can find us all on Twitter. Federico is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. Steven is at ISMH. And I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Thanks again to our sponsors for this week's episode. The great people over at Foot Cardigan, Casper, and Braintree. Most of all, thank you for listening. And we'll be back next time. Until then, say sunset, everybody. We're sunset in this show. Tramonto. <laughs> Beautiful.